Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Our guest today is Kate Hancock. Kate is a serial entrepreneur founding such ventures as Binta Sa Pareso, a highly rated boutique hotel in the Philippines, and OC Skincare Facial Center based out of California. Named as one of the 100 most influential Filipinas in the world, Kate was also the Young Entrepreneur to Watch in 2017 and Woman of the Year nominee from Orange County Business Journal and received the Business of Excellence Award. She has been featured in over 40 publications, including Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Business Rockstars, Forbes Inc., Voyage LA, Huffington Post, BuzzFeed, Modern Luxury, and Asian Journal. And she has two extremely successful podcasts that have been talked about in over 18 countries on iTunes and Spotify. So Kate is here today to talk to us about her journey and how she started and grew an eight-figure business from just 20 bucks. Welcome to the Hazard Girls podcast, Kate. Thank you so much. That's an honor having here. Thank you for having me. We're totally fangirling over you over here. Our marketing assistant, Jill, is from the Philippines, and she is super excited about having you on. So would you mind sharing a little bit with us about your childhood and your upbringing? Yes, absolutely. Well, Emily, I actually grew up in a tiny island called Comigian. It's about 54 miles in circumference. And I remember in 1980s, we don't even have a street light, to be honest with you. Oh. Yeah, so I grew up very poor. I even remember... One of my grade school classmates made fun of me because I have a hole in my red shoes. So (laughs) that was really, um, that wasn't nice. But of course, as a kid, you know, you can't forget that. But um, I'm still grateful that I grew up in a beautiful island. But um, yeah, so my family actually run a business. It started from nothing. My grandmother has this secret recipe. And I remember we utilize a uh, milk, you know, cans to use that as a mold for the pastry. So everything is, we're being resourceful. We don't have a brush. So we even use the feather of, um, what do you call it? Chicken feathers oh. as a brush to use it to, to put some butter around the mold. So I grew up like that, being resourceful. I've seen the success of my family. So it, it started from my grandmother and then my aunt scale it to become an enterprise. So with that success, that really helped me motivate, like, well, they were able to do it with a group effort. I guess I can do it myself. So that was my inspiration. So it started from making a dozen so for them to have an enterprise. They have a national distribution in the Philippines and have over a thousand employees. So it scaled really good. So that I was, was going to ask if you came from came from a family of entrepreneurs. That's amazing. Yes. And I remember um, every day when I was in high school. I have this 100 pieces of molds that I have to clean <laughs> after school. And at lunch times, I have to bake pastries like some muffins because we have orders. So I grew up really hustling as early as 10 and to the point where I don't even have time to do my homework or 
have time to study because we have jobs to do. It was serious jobs and we can get away with it. So I grew up like that kind of hustle mentality where we have to help, not having a lot of breaks, not having a fun as a child. We just have to work because we have to. Was going, continuing with an education after high school, was that on your radar? Because you were, you realized that making money, you don't really need that. You have found other ways to make money. Well, in, 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 in a Filipino culture, college education is important. You have no way of escaping it. Your parents would just send you to school. So I actually graduated as a, a psychology major. In the beginning, I wanted to be a doctor. I was fascinated becoming a doctor with a wide lab, you know, wide lab and uh, stethoscope because a lot of my families are in the medical industry. They're involved with it. So I'm always fascinated by it. But I didn't even have, I, I can't afford to go to medical school. So I ended up not, you know, following through, which thank God I did not because I would not <laughs> be in the path of being an entrepreneur. So that's what happened. How did you end up starting your own first business, the one that wasn't associated with your family? Okay, so I moved out here right after college and I was doing several jobs. I was doing wine sampling. It didn't happen overnight. I was doing all this promo job, giving food at Walmart, at Costco, doing several jobs, right? I ended up working as a salesperson for a cosmetics company, for a Lauder company in a retail store. And so that's why I got some training how to sell products and kind of embrace the culture as well. Like I did not grow up in America, right? So it's a whole new world for me. So I somehow was able to have connections and learn, you know, really learn how to navigate human behavior, especially in, in American culture. So one day I eventually landed a skincare job where I was pretty much the third in the company, a small business. And I was able to do a lot of testing because it was such a small business and they don't have any sales and marketing. So I move up pretty fast. I was a sales rep to a regional manager after after six months. So I learned how to lead, even though I suck at leading. I don't know what I was doing, but Hey, um, if you have a little bit of basis of being a good leader and being nice to people, it's easier for you to transition and be mature than not having any of that, right. Any of that skill set. So I think that was the best uh, turning point for Mark, for my career of being able to just, you know, learn how to get the products to a marketplace. And so one day I was at Costco. It was in Austin. It was a boring day. And I was on the job, actually. It was a Tuesday morning. And so I started scanning stuff online to Amazon. So what I was doing is doing product of a charge. I was selling any clearance items. So buy low, sell high. It was $20. So that afternoon I bought a box and a tape from Staples I sold two items that day. So I was packing and shipping after work. And at $20, I scale it to a million after 12 months that I sold oh my gosh. after four years. So that was my journey. Wow. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. So you said you were at Costco and you bought some items at a low price and you sold them on Amazon? Correct. So yes. you bought you 20 bucks. You bought some products. You started on Amazon then and you just, you started growing from there and it took you, you said 12 months to get to 1 million? Yes. Yes. Uh, the difference that was in 2012, Emily, at that time where I, you know, if someone ordered a product, I don't need to have the inventory with me. So that's how I was able to scale without 
without any capital because when someone orders it, I get the money the next day and then I have to buy the product. So then you, you just go over to Costco and buy it? Yes, I buy pallets oh and pallets of items. I was doing I was doing any clearance items and I ended up going to trade shows. And basically it was so much fun for me because I would go for I would go for like a Sunday to a Nordstrom rack. I was like, hmm, this sounds like a, a really good margin, right? So I would scan it and then someone would buy. So I was window shopping, I sold maybe three hundred dollars of profit of do you know, we walk around and then I would pack and ship. At that time, Amazon is more lenient. You don't have to ship it right away. You can ship it after seven days or 14 days. It wasn't as strict as now, right? So I was definitely at the right time at the right place, taking advantage of the opportunity that I have in front of me. And I, I got obsessed with it. I did not stop working. Yeah. So you were doing this yourself at one person, just packing and shipping all this stuff? Yes, I was packing and shipping in my garage. Yes. And, then it, and what else were you doing? Were you also working? Well, I was working the first six months and then I still, I'm still involved with that business, the skincare business. And then after six months, I can't focus my job anymore because I have to pack and ship during my lunch break. And I feel like it's not really fair. I'm getting paid, but my heart is not there anymore. So integrity is one of my core values. I need to be very honest. And I don't want any small business owner to go through that. Like if, if you're not there you should not get paid. That ju- that's just how I operate, right? So I decided to quit and they don't want me to quit actually. So I had to resign twice because <laughs> I guess I worked so hard. I, I put so much effort to helping them scale their company. They went from less than a million to I think 10 million over the course of two and a half years I was there. I know I've helped them a lot of their sales and marketing and how to sell a product and how to position it. Like, a lot of that stuff and the training to a sales rep. I think those are some of the few of my strengths as, as, as an employee. Oh my goodness. So, okay. So the, the business that you were working for at the time was the, was that the skincare, OC skincare? No, no. Okay. I created the OC facial center while I was running my e-commerce business. So this is a, a second or third business that you have going then. Yeah. So tell us, tell us all that story. What, so you've already scaled up to, you said, a million at this point? Yes, I scaled right. it to a million at this at that point. And so I really love spa. So so I have actually one of the employees that works for me at the other jobs. Like, hey, why don't we open a facial center? Because it kind of aligned to what I was doing at skincare. I really love spa. I always love spa. And so I actually started with one treatment room. And her and I did not work out because we don't have the same work ethics. So it did not work out well. And she actually challenged me. She said, Kate, you'll never be successful with this because you don't know what you're doing. And when someone challenged me like that, that's going to tell me, okay, I'm going to prove it to you that you're wrong. So I ended (laughs) up scaling it to be the OC facial as one of the fastest growing company in the U S is a private company. So I've scaled it to the Inc. 5000 list. We have two locations and uh, we were growing and scaling just because someone challenged me that I can't do the job, but I ended up creating facial technique treatments that's exclusive to me. It's trademark and no one can ever redo it. And I was able to curate it just by testing and going to places and uh, paying attention to what people, what consumers are looking for. I think that's something that I love to do. 
Wow. So somebody challenged you. Somebody told you you couldn't do it. And I guess we should thank her. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. So sometimes you'll challenge the uh, high achiever because then if someone tells you no, then, you know, you're going to end up doing the opposite. Okay. Can you, can you back up a little bit and tell us exactly what it was that allowed you to scale to this level? Um, because, you know, you've been recognized, as you said, the 5,000 Inc., um, among many other honors. So, but you know, what was it? Was it the proprietary nature of what you were doing or, you know, what was it some other secret things that were allowing you to um, use your skills? No, I think listening to your customer needs and treating your employee the right way, that's how you're going to scale, right? If you have proper systems in place, you have a good branding, you have a good product, you have strategies and you're constantly pivoting and uh, adapting and innovating. I think you, you have a place in the market and tapping into your local community as well as a big key, getting involved to maybe a mom's group or, uh, you know, be out there to a Facebook group because at the end of the day, you're a local company and you need to have support from your com- company, right? So getting involved to a local publication that way that builds your credibility credibility. So there's a lot of things. It's not just a few things. It's like a, a 20 different things that, um, you know, most people will only focus into five, but it could be 30 different things. The secret sauce is just um, do everything, hustle. <laughs> Don't <Yes>. stop. Yeah. <laughs> Don't stop your yeah. I, yeah I, you, you know, but if, if you're solving a problem, then you have a place in the marketplace, right? If you're, again, listening to your, what your customers wants and needs, then you have a business. But that's not even enough. It's constantly getting feedback and, and, and listening to your team as well, what they think they're, you know, what they need and your, your customers' needs. And so we've, we've changed over the years. And my goal for that company is actually to open as a licensing deal to any part of the world to open that same brand. So that's my goal. So definitely working harder, but I have to say I did not achieve it with not having getting involved with a mastermind or having a mentor. I think that's a huge mind shift for me because, you know, in the beginning as you scale, I have to say I was a little bit selfish as I scaled to $20 to a million. You think you know it all, but in reality, there's a lot out there you don't know. But having that, you know, embracing the fact that you need help. I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't ask for help because we think we're super power. You know, we have that superpower in us, but like having, being surrounded with amazing people and listening to the right people that has done it definitely elevate my mindset. That an organization. Can you tell us what that is? Yes, I'm, I'm part of a few and actually launched our own mastermind as well. So I'm part of this organization called Entrepreneurs Organization where, um, you know, it has it's, it has uh, 15,000 members globally and anyone that has a million dollar revenue can apply. And so you go through a process to interview you. So that's one of my favorite mastermind group, actually. And we launched our own WMB mastermind. That's the shortcut from what it takes to run a million dollar business because that's the title of our club on Clubhouse, this audio app where I built from zero to 88,000 community members in our club. 
I was going to ask you about that. So why don't we jump to that for a minute? Because I do want to hear about this. So for those who don't know what Clubhouse is or haven't heard about it yet, Clubhouse is a social networking app that's all audio. So you can gather in rooms and chat with groups of people on certain topics using your voice rather than typing. So yeah, I would love to hear a little bit about how you have been using Clubhouse to help grow your business. Yeah, absolutely. So we started early on, I would say December 2020, and we started with just five people in the room. And in the beginning, there, there, there is not a business category from Clubhouse. So we pioneered it, it me and my husband. So we started this, this room called What It Takes to Run a Million Dollar Business. And all the speakers in the world, you name it, to Russell Branson, Ty Lopez, Grant Cardone were in our room, uh, Damon John from Shark Tank. So the, uh, <laughs> that was such an amazing time. Like, when do I have a time where Damon John would say, oh, I love your room because it's so organized, right? You have all the access to speakers that wanted to build their following on that app. And we were there in the beginning and, and running this room. That was such an amazing experience, I have to say. And I met some amazing people. Even some of my favorite mentors were there. They were speaking for free. So having access to those speakers and you get the chance to know them was such an amazing value, not only for my mindset, it helps elevate our personal brand, me and my husband's. And, and now we are doing partnership to a lot of those people, whether it's a joint ventures or through affiliates. So that's what we're doing. So that's how We've utilized um, Clubhouse as a yeah, tool. I, lo- I love, I haven't used it in a little while, but when it first started, I was, same thing. I was on there listening. I couldn't believe I was in a room with these, <laughs> some of these people, Damon, John included in that. And so that's very cool that you guys got in on such an early stage and were able to really like establish a foothold in the, in the platform that way. Um, so do you recommend to other entrepreneurs that they get involved? Yeah, it's a little bit, um, it's a whole new culture now. I think if you were in there early on. I think that was a good experience. Now there's some still a few good people, but it's definitely the only downside is it requires a lot of your time and you have to be very strategic about it. What I would say, maybe kind of get a feel of any of the clubs or rooms that aligns with your value and who is that person that you wanted to connect and set up a Zoom meeting. There's still, you still can utilize it, but it does require requires a lot of time. It could be hard, especially for entrepreneurs who are doing all, so many different aspects of their business. But it, but yeah, it was fun, definitely. Now, I wanted to ask you, because we did mention your, your hotel business. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? When did you start the hotel business? All right. So I started my business in 2017. It just started as a, a tiki hat where me and my husband can, can enjoy our vacation every time we go home in the Philippines. So I I listed it through Airbnb and it was just one room and I'm booked six months in advance. So I have to decline clients again. And so I started uh, creating room underneath that Tiki Hot and then two more rooms and then I don't have enough space. I ended up having to open a second location with acres of land because I have this demand. Again, it's the same thing as what I've done in the past once I have you know, I'm, I'm seeing a good data where I have a good positioning in the market. I have enough customer where I have to decline guests. That's when I have to ex- expand and scale. So that's what happened with, with the hotel business. I wasn't planning um, opening a hotel. I didn't create a business plan for it. It just happened. And I went with it. And I'm glad we did. 
And how are you able to run that from a different part of the world? Because you're based in California and your hotel business is in the Philippines. And, and I assume when you're in the Philippines, you're running your, your U.S.-based businesses. So how are you doing this from, from other parts of the world? Yes. Yeah, so, Emily, they actually created the rooms from the ground up. It started from a raw land. So I just designed uh, the you know, I just, I would just design it on a napkin. Like this is the kind of look I want. And of course I utilize Pinterest. Like it has to be this certain look. So they created it for me from a raw land. And is it really possible to run companies from 7,000 miles away? Yes, you can. As long as you have the right team in place, you have processes and procedure in place. I've just utilized over the years, Facebook groups and Facebook messengers to communicate to my team. I didn't know slacks or um, <laughs> some of that stuff. I was being resourceful. Again, it boils down to my family, you know, using milk cans and chicken fetters as 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 brushes right so i think for me what works is there's nothing in this world that you can't figure things out i think that's always been my mantra and it works all the time i have zero fear i think treating your team and elevating them, helping them, making sure they're getting paid well, they have room to grow as a leader and uh you know, making sure you have mission and core values in place, then that everyone will be rowing towards the right direction. So our big hair audacious goal for the hotel is to serve 1 million customers. So that's, that's something that we all strive for. So when you have a clear vision to your team, they're willing to embrace it and be part of that drive. Where do you put this vision? So do you put it on paper digitally and then you send it around and everyone has access to it and can, can reference it all the time? And how, how do you keep people on track with this? Yeah, so you, we normally put it in our employees' room and uh, we talk about it in every meeting, in every conversation, in every decisions that we do, we have to make sure we all be reminded of our core values and mission. And then when things get out of hand, especially with last year being shut down for a year and a half, and one of our core values being generous and taking care of people. So we made sure our team are taking care of the first six months. We provide them food because that's our core value as a company. Embracing that core values and, and uh honoring it. It's so important because sometimes companies just say that's what they're doing, but it's not exactly what you're implementing on a day-to-day. -day. What a lot of people don't realize about entrepreneurs from the outside is that often there are a lot of failed businesses under our belts also. So has that happened to you? Because I know you have all these successful, successful businesses. Have you ever had any businesses that didn't work out? Well, I tried to um, recreate the family business of pastries in the, in the Philippines to the U.S., but I find out it's not doable. A, we have a different water. B, it would require me a lot of people to make it for a very small profit margin. So it's really not sustainable business. So I guess it didn't work. I tried. But just looking at it, it's just not doable. I, I, you know, my target audience is different. There's so much pastries in here. And if you're involved with restaurants 
or or in a food business, you know, you're you're playing with a five percent margin. So a little bit of a day of error, you're losing money right away. So I'm glad I did not continue it because I know I'm going to be slaving for the rest of my life for five percent profit margin. So that requires a lot of volume. That means I need to have capital. I need to have 20 different locations. It's going to be hard. So that did not work early on. So you look at a a quote unquote failure as just basically a learning experience and really for the best because it led you on a different path. Yes, absolutely. So uh, that was my very first try and I didn't have that mindset then. If you had to give our listeners one lesson to, you know, based on your own experiences and and your lessons that you've learned, like what would be like the one main piece of advice you would like to pass along to our listeners? Yes, absolutely. If you're an entrepreneur, know your numbers, make sure you're getting paid. That's something that you should be doing instead of, oh, I made like 50 grand this year. Well, have you paid yourself? Did you minus your taxes? And, you know, knowing your numbers really sets you into the right direction, whether you're scaling, if you want to raise money, or if you want to be acquired, you may have to make sure you know your numbers. That's one thing that I would highly recommend. And read that this book, what it, he is one of my favorite, Profit First. So that's a really good book. Profit First. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll, we'll put that in the notes too. Well, that's great. Kate, where can our listeners find you? Where's the best place for them to follow you and see what's going on with your journey? Yeah, so easy. You can go to uh, katehancock.com. I'm, I'm on Instagram as well at official Kate Hancock, but go to my site to make it easier. I want to keep it simple to everyone. <laughs> that makes sense. KateHancock.com. Well, Kate, it's been such a pleasure. I'm sure our listeners are as blown away with you as I am. So thank you. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us today and talk to the Hazard Girls. Thank you so much. An honor to be here. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.